From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Sciences, is out this week. Today we do have a guest in studio. It's Dr. Will Selman, a biology professor at Miss Millsaps College. He's currently studying the turtles of the Pearl River, and he'll share with us his knowledge on the various turtles in Mississippi. What turtles are threatened and endangered, and what can you do to help? And how to identify turtles in the wild? Also, Dr. Major's here, ready to take your pet questions. Call us with your comments and questions. Join the conversation with your phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or email animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today we invite a guest into our studio. It's Dr. Will Selman, a biology professor at Millsaps College. He's currently studying the turtles of the Pearl River, so today he'll share with us his knowledge on the various turtles of Mississippi. We'll talk about the turtles that are threatened and endangered, what we can do to help, and how to identify turtles in the wild. Also, Dr. Major here, ready to take your pet questions. So if you have questions about turtles, just wildlife questions or observations in general, or a question about your pet, you can give us a call today. Join the conversation with your phone call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or you can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Reminder that uh, Creature Comforts airs twice each week, so if you miss it on Thursday, you can catch the repeat broadcast Saturday mornings at 6. Good morning. Hope that everyone's doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. So we dried out a little bit here. I think uh, maybe on the Gulf Coast they might be still be getting uh, some uh, wet weather, and certainly the uh, flooding is still an issue there. But uh, it looks like we might get maybe a day or two of sunshine, and after all that rain from the tropical storm, that certainly I think is a relief for most folks. Um, Dr. Major, it is hurricane season. We've had our first kind of major storm. Um, and when we talk about uh, bad weather, uh, you know, storms, hurricanes, th- uh, tropical storms, that sort of thing, and pets, um, what are some things about uh, keeping them safe and calm? I know uh, we have sometimes talked about uh, the Thunder Shirt, uh, but what are some other things we can think about uh, when it comes to pets in bad weather? First of all, don't I'm not a weatherman, but don't count on a lot of sunshine today. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's a real problem, and uh, everybody you hear on the radio talking about uh, preparedness plans. We need to have include our pets in those preparedness plans, especially if we're in a flood-prone area or a hurricane area. Uh, certainly that needs to be done. I know that many of us know the number of pets that were separated from their owners uh, during Katrina uh, and other uh, national uh, disasters. But uh, it's good to have, just like for yourself, your health, pet health records, vaccination records, a supply of food and, uh, and water for your pet. The uh, main thing we see right now here in Jackson area is the thunder, uh, 
thunder and lightning type anxiety. And dogs can sense this when the storm is far away. Uh, some dogs actually require medication uh, to be able to be calmed. The Thunder Shirt works. Uh, I would not leave it on all the time. It's very similar to swaddling uh, an infant, and uh, some pets respond to that uh, very well. Uh, other pets, uh, they need to be with somebody or at least uh, have some medication if they get terribly, terribly anxious. They can destroy, uh, you know, things that they would not normally tear up trying to get in and get away or even inside with thunder. And I mean, I guess much like humans, uh, different pets react differently to uh, to the thunder and the lightning. Some get a little bit more uh, scared than others. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there are some dogs that will literally tear the door down to get inside uh, during a thunderstorm. Others, uh, dogs that are inside, will begin to uh, hide in the closet, under the bed, wherever they can. One of the tips that you usually see is extreme panning and pacing. Uh, these dogs look like they're about to pass out from uh, anxiety. Cats usually don't see it that often. They they may retreat and hide somewhere, but usually they're not the ones that are having the anxiety attacks. And also, you know, I've read a lot online about how much dogs can sense of human emotions and that sort of thing. So I would say maybe uh, when the weather gets a little bit rough, if, if you and your family try to stay calm, that uh, maybe that'll help out your pets as well. I think it would help. However, I think the dogs are influenced by <laughs> changes in barometric pressure, and they can sense a thunderstorm miles and miles away when we may not even be aware that it's coming. So they're very sensitive to that. And, uh, yes, uh, our animals feed off of our emotions, as you, as you well know, as a pet owner. And uh, it's uh, very uh, – I'm certain that they can either read our minds or uh, tell what we're doing. <laughs> A uh, classic example is say, hey, I'm going to take you to the vet this morning, and then you can't find the uh, <laughs> cat or dog. They're hidden. And they're pretty smart. And they know when they turn the corner, the vet clinic, where they are. Just don't don't tell me they don't. <laughs> so if you have a, pe- uh, pe- a question f- about your pet this morning, you can give us a call. We've got some open phone lines. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Email the show animals at mpbonline.org. This this hour will also be visiting with our guest, biology professor from Millsaps College, Dr. Will Selman. Dr. Selman, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate the invite. Uh, If you would, tell us a bit about your background. So I grew up in Meridian, Mississippi, um, out out in the woods, mainly with my dad, hunting and fishing. And um, so I spent a good bit of time outside. We'd bring in animals from the backyard and try to identify them and see what they were. Uh, so so sort of a general naturalist type of background. Um, and, and I was in Boy Scouts and uh, taught uh, uh, nature classes at scout camp uh, and then uh, ended up coming here to Millsaps College so, uh, for undergraduate. So um, I've returned to, to my alma mater uh, to, to teach in the same department where I got my degree. Um, and during that time... I had some field opportunities uh, to go out to Yellowstone as well as to do some uh, t- some work up in the Blue Ridge Mountains uh, with uh, Dr. Debbie Mann, uh, who is still there at Millsaps. And, and uh, so that was that was really instrumental. But probably the most 
um, most important part was uh, I had a summer internship at the Natural Science Museum uh, when uh, when when Libby was there. Um, so I got to uh, do some education programs. I got to go out uh, to do some muscle surveys, and and uh, one one of the exhibits uh, was was fascinating to me, and that was the swamp tank exhibit where you could see the behaviors of the animals underwater. Uh, and, and one of those tanks struck me especially, which was the map turtle tank, where we have three of our uh, uh, riverine endemic species. So they're only found in single rivers. So the black knob sawback is only found in the Alabama, Mobile, Tom Bigby River system. And then the yellow blotch sawback is only in the Pascagoula River system. And the ring sawback is only in the Pearl. Um, so that sort of piqued my interest. Um, and then um, after uh, undergraduate, I came back and did uh, a, a year of uh, science education, uh, taught sci- eighth and ninth grade science in Meridian, and then hmm. went back to get my doctoral degree at Southern, Southern Miss after that. And I, I thought it was interesting what you said, and I, and I wonder if this might be you know, advice maybe for, for other parents who, if you have a child that seems to take an interest in the natural world and, and being outdoors and that sort of thing, is to, to do the things that, that your dad did to encourage you, You're going out in the backyard, identifying some things, maybe uh, if you have a local park or any kind of, if you're near any kind of woods or something, to go out there and, and really help them kind of develop that interest, and it might, it might lead to, to a career for them. And I think even more than that is let the kids explore for themselves because they'll make discoveries on their own if you give them give them a little free reign to do it uh obviously being in in the middle of the woods and and uh maybe daunting for some parents to let their kids go do that um but within reason i think there's there's opportunities for for kids to explore and and uh and and enjoy doing it uh, we're going to be talking uh, with Dr. Selman throughout the hour. So, again, if you have a question about turtles, uh, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 And uh, after that, I'll put in a plug for the museum and for centers all over the state. Now's the time that everybody's doing summer camp experiences for kids. And if you've got kids that are particularly interested in the outdoors or in science, seek out those kind of opportunities. And the Natural Science Museum is just one of many places that has lots of really cool things. The kids are getting outside and saying in and exploring right now. And every Friday morning, they're having what they call Family Fun Fridays. And uh, so if you're close to the Jackson area and you want to go over Friday mornings, you give them a call or go online and you can see what the topic each week is. But lots of fun things that kids can do to learn something important in the summer. And as you mentioned, in addition to sort of developing that interest uh, for the outdoors, uh, you're outside, and so you're getting some exercise. And I think uh, all of us, uh, whether we are children or adults, Mm -hmm. (laughs) could use a little extra exercise, and it's a way to uh, add some uh, enjoyment to your summertime. Spending time away from our screens, I think, is good for us. (laughs) Exactly. All right, we've got a couple of questions on the line, so why don't we begin our phone calls with Sean in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Kevin. That's my brother. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing well. <laughs> also, I've got a question about some of uh, Kevin's uh, 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 step, uh, stepdogs here that we have. Um, I'm interested in a mosquito repellent that you can put on dogs. Um, the more natural, the better. We do try to keep the area as dry as possible. We use feeder ships in their homes. They don't seem to be afflicted by mosquitoes a pretty good bit. And I'm wondering if there are any, uh, any remedies that we might try. I'm sure a lot of the listeners would have some remedies that they've tried. Some of them work. 
Uh, frankly, uh, I'm impressed by a new product called Vectra. Uh, it actually will kill mosquitoes. Uh, I have it on my dog, and mosquito will light and then just fall off. So it is very effective. Uh, it's uh, safe for the pet, and I realize that you're looking for something natural. And uh, some of the citronella-type products, uh, the pennyroyal, some of those will help some. Uh, but I'm really impressed with Vector. It also kills fleas, and I don't have any stock in the company, okay? <laughs> it it, uh, it actually uh, kills fleas and ticks as well, so it's a great product. Used in conjunction with a good heartworm preventive, you should have excellent control of both fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes. Is that a pill or is that a topical application? It's a topical application. It's not oily as such. Some of these things stay where you would touch the pet, and it's like oily, but it disappears Mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Uh, I've got it on both of my dogs. I have a 17-year-old Chihuahua uh, (laughs) who's pretty much still the boss, Um, and I've got it on him and also have it on a 90-pound dog uh, that... uh, Neither one of those has shown any signs of problems. It's one of the things you don't put on cats, so I'll mention that now. Right, right. That's a Vexa, V-E-X-A? V-E-C-T-R-A, Vectra. Vectra, okay. Right. Talk, right. To, your, talk to your vet about it, and uh, certainly I understand your concerns about putting a, any type of um, chemical or drug on an animal or in an animal, but still, with the situation that we have with mosquitoes, I think it's an excellent product, uh, in my opinion. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, John, thanks for the call, and a shout-out to my brother there. He uh, he and his wife have several dogs, and they are frequent uh, uh, adopters of dogs, so they they do a good job helping uh, uh, keep uh, the dogs that need a home, and they've uh, found a home for several dogs down there in Hattiesburg. have a great backyard uh, for the dogs as well. Need to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got Juanita on the line with a turtle question from Oxford. We've got some open phone lines and a lot to talk about this morning. If you have a pet question, if you have a question about turtles or a general wildlife question or observation, you can call us at one 877 MPB Ring. It's 1-877-672-7464. Back with more of the show after this. MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Uh, Helping us learn more about turtles this week is biology professor from Millsaps College, Dr. Will Selman. We've got some open phone lines, so again, lots to talk about this morning. If you have pet questions, questions about turtles, or just a general wildlife question or observation, please feel free to join the conversation with a phone call to one 877 MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show as well, animals at mpbonline.org. Back to the phone lines we go. We begin again in Oxford. Juanita has called in today. Good morning, Juanita. Go ahead. 
Oh, good morning, and thank you. I have a question this morning for Dr. Selman, your guest. Um, I would like to ask, when you find a turtle, which has happened uh, to me before, and so has everybody else here where there's traffic, um, on the road already injured, um, the shell cracked, say, um, is it is it the turtle's chances of survival worth, say, an hour or two-hour drive to a rehabber should take directly to a vet? If so, it has to be a vet that does exotic animals. And, you know, what are their chances and, um, you know, what to do in that situation? So I'll this just is... hang up and listen. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Juanita. Thanks, Juanita. Uh -huh. yeah. um, so this is a situation that you have animals that are extremely hardy. I've caught turtles that are missing limbs and have had cracked shells that are healed. Um, and so there's there's a certain part of the turtle biology that they can withstand pretty serious injuries that you or I couldn't. Um, so I guess that's one one thing that, that is good about, about turtles. Um, but if you are concerned, there are um, several turtle rescue areas. Uh, I believe there's one up in Oxford. I'm not, not familiar with the name, um, but there's also one here in central Mississippi, the central Mississippi turtle rescue. Um, so uh, I uh, welcome you to uh, seek those people out. I know they're uh, the central Mississippi turtle rescue has a Facebook page um, that you can probably get in touch and, and find more opportunities on, on how to, to get those turtles to, into the right hands. And if you need to do a little emergency care on them, you can generally find some guidelines that will help you online. And you can super glue those mm -hmm. shells and all kinds of stuff, temporarily tape them if you need to. Right. You know, basically you stop the bleeding and get mm -hmm. them somewhere. But it's amazing how successful turtles can be rehabbed. Mm -hmm. And, Troy, I know you've dealt with many of them at the... Oh, yeah. And, you know, sometimes somebody will bring one in that's beyond, you know, if, if it's crushed, you know, there's not a lot you can mm -hmm. do. Yeah. Uh, as far as the shell, as you said, uh, just some minor care sometime uh, will will suffice. And it's always good to get that turtle back into the its natural area as soon as possible. Uh, but I, I agree that they're very hardy in general. I have known families that this is kind of the sad part, but if it's a female and it has eggs, it's crushed on. I've known families that raised those eggs that mm -hmm. they found and mm -hmm. released the, the baby turtles. Right. Right. Got another a caller on the line. We're off to Meridian. Larry's called in today. Good morning, Larry. Go ahead, please. Hi, I've got uh, two cats and three cats and uh, Larry, we're going to have to ask you to call back. Uh, we got a bad connection. Uh, can't quite hear what you're asking about. So if you could, uh, give us a call back. Maybe we'll get a better connection and be able to uh, take your pets. Thanks for the call, but please, if you would, uh, give us a call back. We'll see what we can do for you. We're talking today with Dr. Will Salmon, biology professor at Millsaps College about turtles in Mississippi. Uh, so let's, uh, Dr. Selman, turtle tortoise terrapin. Um, are there any differences or are those just maybe different names for the same thing? So... So this is a thing where you get into just what exactly are the words. So um, so terrapins and tortoises are all turtles, but not all turtles are tortoises and terrapins. So tortoises are mainly our land-dwelling animals um, that you don't typically see in water. Uh, terrapins are usually considered in brackish water habitat, uh, so sort of at the interface of freshwater and saltwater. Uh, so there's uh, a local terrapin species that we have, the Mississippi diamondback terrapin, that occurs along the coast in, in brackish and salt marshes. 
as well as some other terrapin species that are scattered uh, throughout the world. Um, but certainly tortoises and turtle uh, and terrapins are all considered turtles. Okay. Um, and how many species of turtles do we have here in Mississippi? So depending on whose taxonomy you <laughs> agree with, uh, which is can be pretty fluid, um, we have 31 species wow. of turtles. Um, so we are at the center of what is considered a global turtle hotspot. Um, so when you think about species diversity, we talk about these hotspots where there's lots of species of a particular type and in a pretty small area. Um, so our, our area of the southeastern United States, uh, I think it's so Mississippi has about 10 percent of the world's turtle species. Oh. So that gives you an idea of, of the importance of, of Mississippi and, and neighboring Alabama and Louisiana for sort of turtle biodiversity in general. So, so what is it about this part of the country that, that makes it a hotspot that makes it so attractive to turtles? There are lots of different habitats. So if we think about um, from the southern part of the state to the northeastern part of the state, we have lots of different habitats and gradients that occur. So we have the southern longleaf pine forest, which we have gopher tortoises that occur there. We have salt marshes where we have diamondback terrapins. Uh, we have the Mississippi Sound, which has five uh, species of sea turtles. And then we have lots of these rivers that drain independently into the Gulf of Mexico and the Mississippi River. Um, and a lot of the diversity of uh, that we have in the state is driven by one genus of, of turtles, and that's the genus Graptomys, which are map turtles and sawbacks. And there are riverine species. And we have nine species uh, in the state. One of those uh, was just recorded uh, within the last couple of months to be here in the state. And when we talk about the different kind of turtles that we find in Mississippi, what in terms of size and appearance, what is the range there? So the largest, um, the largest turtles we'll find are, uh, are, are sea turtles uh, as well as our alligator snapping turtles. Uh, alligator snapping turtles are the largest freshwater turtle in North America. Um, so uh, there's a group from Southern Miss that's actually doing alligator snapping turtle research, um, and they recently caught several uh, that are 50 to 75 pounds. Um, when, and those aren't extremely large ones either. But uh, imagine having a 50 or 75 pound turtle, you know, sort of float up next to your boat. It'd be pretty, <laughs> pretty menacing. And those guys are really old, too. They may be 50 right. to 75 years <laughs> exactly. old. Exactly. Well, Older right? than we are. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, more a little bit frightening, too, that the 50-pound creature is called an alligator snapping turtle. That uh, <laughs> sounds like someone you don't want to mess with. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely take all fingers. Uh, so we, I think you mentioned 31. What are, what are the more common uh, turtle species here in Mississippi? Our most common turtle is a red-eared slider. Um, so when, when we look out on a pond and the turtles that are basking on the logs, you know, 95 to 98 percent of those are going to be red-eared sliders. They're very generalist in what they eat, very generalist in where they live. So you can find them in rivers, you can find them in swamps, ditches, ponds. Um, they're pretty pretty common in, um, in not only aquatic habitats, but just generally uh, in, in lots of different aquatic habitats as well. And, you know, the old tortoise and the hare, we, we think of turtles and tortoises being slow moving. But I know, uh, again, from seeing some kind of basking on the, the side of the uh, the pond in the park I walk in in Pearl, 
they can they can move pretty quick when they need to. I mean, it's either there and you kind of trying to sneak up to get a picture, or whatever. And the next thing you know, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah, and some of the um, soft shell species are extremely fast in the water. Uh, they'll be basking on a on a sandbar, and you'll be walking toward them, and they will bolt into the water and swim really quickly. We're visiting today on Creature Comforts with Dr. Will Selman, a biology professor at Millsaps College. He's helping us learn more about turtles today. Dr. Major's here, ready to take some pet questions. And as always, we'll look for your general wildlife questions and observations. The phone lines are open. We've got some open phone lines at one eight seven seven mpb ring That number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can always email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Larry had called in earlier, had a little trouble with the phone line. Uh, we've got him back on the line. Larry, go ahead, please. Yes, I have uh, two dogs and two cats. And my girlfriend's got three cats, and everybody gets along except I have one of my cats is very aggressive to her. And um, we've tried. A vanilla extract, putting on all of them so they could, uh, you know, smell the same. Try to do things, but it's hard. Um, we've had a problem. We kind of have to keep them separated all the time. I was wondering if you have any ideas how we could get uh, my cat to accept hers. Right. Who initiates the problem? Your cat? Uh, my, my cat. My cat, Lorraine. Female? Yes. Okay. There's several things you can do, and I, it, it is a difficult problem. She's uh, obviously a dominant and is a little bit, uh, uh, what shall I say, uh, aggressive toward that a particular cat probably. There are a, a couple of things that you might consider. One is a pheromone collar that you could put on. Uh, it, it exudes maternal pheromones, and it works in some cases as far as calming. Uh, there is a product called Zilkeen, X-Y-L-Z-E-N-E, I think, Zilkeen. Anyway, uh, it is also a calming-type uh, pill, and I'm giving it to uh, the cat from, well, cat from China, I guess I have to say, uh, that, that's kind of a cat from hell. But uh, anyway, it it's helped that cat quite a bit uh, as far as calming it down. So that might be a problem. You have to talk to your vet about that. But there are some calming collars that emit a, a maternal pheromone, which helps in some cases. Uh, I understand trying the vanilla extract, trying to just kind of get their scent together. But let's look at those things as a possibility, okay? That's a good idea. So the pheromone for filling now should hopefully calm down some of her aggression? I would hope so, yes. Okay, thank you. That's what I do. All right, Larry. Thanks for the call. Glad uh, we could get you back on the line and get that call through. Uh, We need to take another quick break here on Creature Comforts. Today we're talking about turtles with our guest, Dr. Will Selman, biology professor at Millsaps College. Dr. Major, ready to handle some pet questions as well. Got some open phone lines, so give us a call if you'd like to join in today. The number's 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number, 1-877-672-7464. We'll be back with more after this short break.
From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. In the studio, our guest this week is Dr. Will Selman. He's a biology professor at Millsaps College. We're learning more about uh, turtles in Mississippi. So if you have a question about turtles or a pet question or a wildlife question or observation, give us a call today at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 877 Six seven two seven four six four. A lot of times on creature comforts, the phone lines jam up. But uh, so if you can't, uh, if you get a busy signal, keep trying. Uh, phone lines come open as each person drops off the line. We'd love to hear from you this morning. Also, my brother from Hattiesburg called earlier asking about uh, mosquito uh, remedies for pets. And as Doctor Major suggested, folks have some suggestions. One person called in to say essential oils can help uh, mosquito bites and also act as a good repellent for cats and dogs. So that might be something uh, that he might want to try. Let's uh, stay back or get back on the phone lines. We begin again. And in Vicksburg, Kinu has called in today. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have a, a several questions about turtles. Uh, I have uh, a box turtles uh, every year coming up about this time. Uh, one question is, uh, do they change colors? Uh, uh, sometimes I feel very vivid colors, and sometimes I feel just the plain colors. And the second question is, uh, I have a small pond, and a box turtle fell in, and I had to rescue him. Uh, can be drowned. Um, the, the third question is, in the neighborhood, we have alligator turtles, and I, I was wondering what is their diet. So those three questions, and I hung up and listened. Okay. Uh, thanks for calling. Uh, so, Dr. Selman, let's start again. Uh, the first question she asked about was uh, turtles and uh, being able to change colors. So I think what you may be seeing there are uh, males and females. So the mailbox turtles around here have very bright heads, very uh, more colorful than, than what you would see in the females. So what you could be seeing is, uh, is, is two different sexes of, of, of the same species there. Um, there are some turtles, uh, and, and I haven't heard about it in box turtles, but there are some turtles around the world that their head does change color uh, during the breeding season. So... Uh, I, 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 that could be possible. Okay. Uh, the other one was about uh, a, a box turtle drowning. Okay. So box turtles, even though they are mainly uh, terrestrial, so they live on the land, if they get into water, they can float. I've seen them uh, floating across a river before, okay. uh, like a like a bobber. Um, <laughs> and even some of our, our coastal uh, box turtles, uh, again, taxonomy, our Gulf Coast box turtles, they grow a lot larger. Uh, you see them a lot in water, uh, much more so than our turtle species that, that we, we have in the middle and, and northern portion of the state. Um, and then your third question was about alligator snapping turtles and their diets. Uh, so we have a little bit of information about them. Um, most of what they eat uh, is, is very opportunistic. So they're, they're an opportunistic predator. Um, so they will uh, eat carrion, so uh, um, dead animals, potentially dead fish. Uh, they also have a really neat appendage on the on their tongue. So most of their mouth is, is very dark, uh, except for a little pink appendage that's on their tongue that they can wiggle to make it look like a worm. Uh, so it, it's called the fishing lure. Uh, and, and they can actively fish 
for um, for for other fish in the in the river. So it's a, it's a it's a really neat species. All right, uh, let's stay on the phone lines. Next, we're going to go to Gene uh, and Picayune. Good morning, Gene. Go ahead, please. Hey, good morning. I wanted to ask a question about dog allergies. Um, I she I got her at the pound, and I've had her for three years, and she's medium size. And I took her to the vet last November um, when she started this uncontrollably looking like she's itching everywhere and licking you know where all the time. So the vet um, prescribed a pill for a pill. I believe you take it for 20 days and the ingredients really was like Benadryl. So I had her Dr. Major talk about it one day that you could um, take as much as, um, I, I may have this wrong, one gram of, of Benadryl a day and it won't hurt the dog. Uh, we're looking but, at probably a, a milligram, uh, really per kilogram, up to two. So if you had a 20-pound dog, uh, theoretically you could give 20 milligrams. Uh, probably a little bit less, uh, but just to see the effect. And quite often, Benadryl will make them drowsy. And a lot of times when they're drowsy, they don't lick and chew as much. But Benadryl really is only effective for about eight hours. That's for people as well. So if you were going to do it, I'd do it three times a day. Now, I'm not sure what the other drug was that uh, the vet sent. Uh, do you remember the name of that? Of that drug? I yeah, I, I, no, I don't. Was it Apoquil or Prednisone? Yeah, that one. Prednisone? Was but that correct? What I'm getting at is none of this has worked. Okay. I would suggest uh, checking out food allergies, uh, and that certainly is by trial and error. In most cases, do a trial for f- four to six weeks with a particular food. Uh a lot of people have gone to the grain-free foods. They feel that uh, grains can cause some allergies. And if nothing else work, I would talk to your vet about doing allergy testing and find out exactly what uh, this dog is allergic to. Uh, good luck with it. And it's, it's difficult a lot of times to come up with an answer for the itchy, scratchy dog. One of the drugs that's used that has less side effects is Apoquil. And uh, it controls the itching without a lot of side effects. So you might ask him or her about that, okay? All right, uh, Gene, thanks for your call. And I, I would say, you know, maybe like uh, human doctors encourage their patients to, if if you uh, go to your vet and he gives you something for your pet and it doesn't seem to be working, certainly follow up and let him know because, Dr. Major, that's important information. And, and when you get that, you can try, you know, alternate uh, solutions. Exactly. And that's very good advice. All right. Uh, we'll stay on the phone lines. Again, we go to Oxford. Laura has called in today. Good morning, Laura. Go ahead. Hi. I have a question about turtles in the road. Okay. So when you see um, um, the tides will stop and pick the turtle up and move him, and my question is, I always assume that the direction they're going in is the direction where they want to be. I'm assuming they know where they're going, but I don't want to make matters any worse by, I don't know, misplacing them. So if you have any tips for how to deal with the turtle in the road and help them out, and I'll take my answer offline. Thank you. Okay, Laura, thanks for the call. We were just talking about that. Yeah, so yeah. This, is, this is a case where a lot of these turtles could be older than we are and they've lived in that area 
their entire lives. So they know exactly where they're going. Um, many of the turtles that you encounter this time of year on the road are nesting females. So they're, they're looking for high ground, sandy ground um, to nest. So, and many of these females have prob- will probably go back to the same nesting areas, you know, over the multiple decades. Um, so, so a lot of what we're seeing are these uh, nesting ventures that, that females will leave aquatic habitat. So they'll leave ponds, they'll leave rivers, uh, they'll leave swamps, and they'll head out to go somewhere else uh, to nest. So in, in many cases, every, every turtle movement uh, they're doing for a reason, just like uh, every movement that we have you know, in our car. We're going somewhere for a reason. Same, same exact thing here. So great call. Thanks. So much like if you were driving around and there were some giant creature that was able to pick you up and turn you around and head you back in the, the opposite direction, you probably wouldn't appreciate that either. Exactly. So, yeah, you're, you're right, Laura. If, if the, they know where they're going, so keep them going in that right direction if you want to help them out. Uh, before we let too much of the of the hour get away, uh, Dr. Selman, I want to talk about uh, threatened and endangered. We talked about Mississippi being such a hot spot and really, uh, you know, the, the diversity of turtles. Um, are are a lot of our turtles uh, endangered uh, um, of extinction or are, are, are they in trouble? So uh, around the world, many, many turtles are in trouble. Um, and, and a lot of that is because of their unique um, uh, sort of life history strategy. So they live to be a really long age, um, and, and any adults that are removed from a population uh, definitely affects the long-term outlook for that population. Um, so a lot of our turtles are in trouble in the state for, for a multitude of reasons. Um, we have nine out of our 31 species, <clears throat> excuse me, um, nine are uh, federally threatened and endangered. So we have the Alabama red belly, which occurs in a very small portion of uh, southeastern Mississippi. So the lower Pascagoula, uh, uh, lower Biloxi uh, area and, and sort of the freshwater marshes. Um, and and that is mainly because it has a really small range uh, and um, it's believed that their populations are declining. Uh, we have gopher tortoises that are in the southern part of the state. Uh, there's a multitude of reasons uh, why why they're declining, uh, mainly due to habitat conversion from the historical longleaf uh, pine uh, savannas to uh, very densely planted uh, pine plantations. Uh, and then we have uh, uh, five sea turtles uh, that are considered uh, threatened and endangered uh, along our coast. Uh, and again, there's a lot of reasons for that, coastal development, uh, uh, bycatch in, in fisheries, uh, fisheries industry. And then we have uh, two uh, uh, riverine species, the ring sawback and the Pascagoula, uh, or the, um, excuse me, yellow blotch sawback that are uh, federally threatened. Is there something that, you know, the common everyday Joe can do to, to help, uh, the, help the situation out? So I think the biggest thing is become educated about what, what's going on in the area, about what turtle species occur in your area. Um, I had a, a former coworker. Uh, he was an administrator uh, when I worked with wildlife and fisheries in Louisiana. Uh, he said that education leads to appreciation, and appreciation leads to conservation. Uh, so the more you can educate yourself about what's in your area, uh, and not only what's in your area, but what uh, organizations are, uh, are are contributing and and helping out with turtle conservation. Uh, there are lots of great organizations, uh, uh, wildlife and fisheries here in Mississippi, the Natural Science Museum. Uh, as well as uh, organizations like the Turtle Survival Alliance. Um, they're all doing really great work to, to try to improve 
uh, the the outlook for for turtles in North America and and across the world. And then I think maybe one thing to mention here, you know, is the when we talk about an ecosystem, it's all interrelated and, and, and creatures depend on each other. So if if one you know species becomes endangered or threatened, it, it can really have a, a sort of a boomeranging effect. Yeah. So. And when we talk about this in ecology, every every animal has a, a, a part to play. They each have their, are a unique piece in a puzzle. So when we start removing pieces from the puzzle, the puzzle doesn't look like a puzzle anymore. Uh, it doesn't, it, and, and in the ecosystem, it doesn't function uh, like an ecosystem should. Um, and, and in many cases, we don't know the exact um, um, function of, of any particular organism in the ecosystem, but we know that they're all interconnected. Uh, and we can see this. Uh, there's a great example of the reintroduction of wolves into Yellowstone and how their reintroduction really changed that ecosystem and really benefited lots of other animals by being there. Um, so when we remove these pieces, we don't really know what the consequences are in many cases. Um, but turtles uh, are, are really great um, uh, sort of long-term uh, sort of eco-indicators about what's going on with the ecosystem. So they can live a really long time, um, and, and they serve um, a lot of animals, eat their eggs, um, uh, certainly along the riverbanks. Uh, and then uh, we have some that are really uh, are known to be seed dispersers. So they actually consume seeds and then disperse them uh, in their feces. So we have a lot of little interconnected things that are happening that uh, in, in many of these cases, we don't know exactly uh, the entirety of it. We need to take one final break. Uh, when we get back up, we've got some callers on the line. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with Dr. Will Selman, who's a biology professor at Millsaps College. We'll be back to wrap up the program after this. Well, we... Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with Dr. Will Selman, biology professor at Millsaps College, and we've been talking about turtles. We've got some calls to get to. Uh, also, earlier in the show, we had uh, Larry who called in and was having some trouble, uh, one cat uh, relating to another cat. Uh, Kathleen, our friend from Osaka on the line. Kathleen, you have a suggestion for us? Yeah, as everybody knows, I've been putting up with BB. Right. Uh, one, you can't go fast. Two, okay. you have to make sure that the cat that you're introducing, the one with the attitude, has a very safe area, like a closet, a laundry room, a spare bathroom, and make sure they have all the food, the water, the treats, their special banky that they could not want for anything else. And the other cats be on the other side of the door. Now, they know 
each other's there. They have to smell each other, get used to it, and every now and then one of them will get brave and stick their paw under the door. Hopefully the other one won't chop it off. But uh, this has to go on for a while. Even if you have a window, which I do, the cats, my cats like to hang out in this one window because they can see all the birdies on the telephone line. I would take BB on the outside and let him see them, and they would kind of realize, okay, yeah, there's a real cat there. But this went on for months, and then I had to take him, hold him in my lap, and let the other cats come to him and smell them. Now, I'm retired, and I have the, the time to do this. It's not fast, but it does work. Because, like I say, right now he's uh, sitting in the window with Fanny, his special girl. And uh, it does pay off. They do respond, and they're not worth, uh, you know, uh, slapping them or hurting them or yelling at them when they don't understand why. Because uh, they just can't figure out who, why they're being mean to them. They were just being a cat, you know. Mm -hmm. But it does work out. And uh, I wish him the best, and I hope that helps. All right. Thanks for the call. Uh, bottom line, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, let's move on next. We've got Will in Vicksburg. Good morning, Will. Hi, how are you? Good. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I just have a question. I have an indoor, mostly an indoor cat who insists on being let out from time to time. I always try to get her in before dark, but uh, sometimes it's not as easy as it sounds. So my question is really... I know there's some owls around, and we live not too far, a couple hundred yards maybe from some wooded areas. So I guess my question is, like, what's the realistic uh, danger for her falling prey to something like an owl or a fox coming up out of the... I mean, she sticks pretty close to home, and, and I know there's some big owls around. I don't know if they're seasonal, and I'm just curious as, like, if it's a realistic probability that she could fall prey. The most realistic thing that could happen is another cat. Uh, there are tomcats that roam the neighborhood looking for a fight, and that's the source of most injuries uh, that we see short of the road uh, for cats that are outside. Uh, if you're going to have your cat out, I would definitely recommend getting it in uh, before dark if you can. Uh, and I would prefer that cats stay inside, really, uh, because of predation of songbirds and this sort of thing. But uh, if you do have her outside, get her in uh, before dark. As far as owls, uh, yes, it's possible. But in general, if, correct me if I'm wrong, wildlife people, uh, usually they can only pick up like a quarter of their weight, uh, give or take. I think that's about right. So an owl might claw or hurt a cat, but it's not going to pick it up and carry it off. All right, Will, thanks for your call. Uh, let's get one final call in, and it goes to Mikey in Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, good morning. Um, I'm going to try to be quick because you all have answered. You are so incredibly intelligent there, and uh, apparently have incredible intuition also. Um, associations and how to contact them um, regarding turtles. Turtles. Okay, uh, I have uh, on my little, it's a small, very small empire, but um, it's surrounded by a golf course kind of conscious people um and uh salt marsh longleaf pine willow wax magnolia slash pine uh gopher turtles only seen them a couple of times but the one that i call gus has become quite friendly with me 
He has a black shell and red eyes. You might have stumped the panel there on that one, Mikey. Um, so, so what do the hind feet look like? That's the question. Well, I haven't ever actually examined his hind feet, to tell you the truth. Um, so, you know, when I first walk up upon him, of course, he, he closes everything <laughs> in. But then after I stand there, he's become comfortable enough with me that um, he will, you know, reemerge. So... What do I need to look for? I think what you may have there is a Gulf Coast box turtle. Um, gopher tortoises, uh, their hind feet look like elephant feet. Uh, and their no, four- no, no, the gopher is a totally different turtle. And I, Yes, and that, that turtle looks like that. This, okay. is, this is the one that I call Gus. <laughs> I don't know why I call him Gus, like Augustus or Gustav, um, whatever. He's, just, he's a totally different turtle. He's, he's smaller. He has the higher shell, higher dome mm-hmm. shell, and yeah. it's black. And Mikey, it's you want to take a picture of him? Yeah, if you take a picture of him and, yeah. and send it in, we can we can definitely figure out what it is. Okay, thank you. All right, yeah, it's uh, animals at mpbonline.org. That's probably the easiest way. And, you know, we talk about that frequently. If you call, if you're something that you see and you're trying to get some information on it, if, if possible, if you've got your smartphone with you, you can snap a picture. That certainly helps out uh, because it would be interesting to me to see people looking at the same creature. You Five different people, you'd probably get five different descriptions of, of what they look like. And I that, do a lot of those, yeah. Yeah, snakes, turtles, insects, birds, yeah. And not only that, but the differences in common names. So you'll hear yeah. people talk about alligator snapping turtles being called loggerheads as well. <laughs> so you have some... some uh, it really helps to have that picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Uh, Dr. Selman, when you see a turtle basking on the, the bank uh, that always looks so relaxing, them kind of stretched out in, in the sun, what, what is that? Are they trying to warm themselves? So they are... The old term for it is cold-blooded, but we would say ectothermic. So we're endothermic. We get all of our temperature by our metabolic processes. They get all their temperature from the external heat. Um, So whether you see an alligator basking on a roadway, a nice asphalt road that's beginning to pick up heat, or uh, or a turtle basking on a log, they're they're thermoregulating. So we're wanting to increase their body temperature. And there are lots of other things that go along with that too. So uh, we have turtles that synthesize vitamin D while they're basking, just like we synthesize vitamin D when we're in the sunlight. Um, It also helps them raise their temperature if they have some sort of disease that they can raise it to to a fever so they can raise their body temperature to 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 kill off any um microorganisms and um and they also do it for uh for uh females to put more energy toward eggs so you'll see a lot of females out this time of year because they're wanting to put a lot of energy they can the more the more they eat uh they can raise their body temperature and increase their metabolism so the more they can put toward egg production and as we sway about a lot of things in the wildlife if you're interested and see something like a tur- some turtles basking somewhere observe them from a distance uh, try not to disturb them because that's an important thing that they're doing there that's going to wrap us up for today creature comforts is a production of mississippi public broadcasting think radio funding provided in part by wildlife mississippi a statewide organization celebrating its 20th year of conserving mississippi's land waters and wildlife and from contributions from listeners like you if you need to hear today's show or a previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Thanks to our producer, Java Chapman, and our call screener, Patrick Price. For Dr. Troy Major and our guest, Dr. Will Selman and Libby Hartfield, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.